NIL just won't stay out of the news. Ross Dillinger from SI has got more reports. We've got commissioners going to Congress. It's just all the rage right now, and we'll talk about that, plus a big Oklahoma softball win from the first matchup in Bedlam on tonight's episode of Locked On Sooners. You are Locked On Sooners, your daily podcast on the Oklahoma Sooners, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Sooners Nation, and welcome to the Friday edition of Locked On Sooners. Happy Friday to you. I hope you've had a great week. We've had a great week. My name is John Williams. You can follow me on Twitter at John9Williams. He's Josh Helmer. You can follow Josh on Twitter at JoshOnRef. You can also hear him Monday through Friday from 9 to noon on 94.7 The Ref in Norman. And Josh, NIL is carrying the headlines, carrying the news cycle right now. And even just tonight, as we're recording on Thursday night, more information came out from Ross Dellinger. So where is NIL heading and kind of what are we looking to? We, we talked about it on our Locked On Now. You can see it on our Twitter account, at Locked On Sooners. George Klyovkov, the Pac-12 commissioner, and Greg Sankey, the SEC commissioner, who were once at odds over playoff expansion, uniting together to go to Congress to attack NIL head-on. What do you make of all this? Well, the first thing I make is obviously the power brokers that be, they have heard you, they have heard us, and probably they're frustrated by the way things are going as well. I don't think anybody wants to live in a world where essentially guys are getting paid to come to schools and, you know, guys in power five programs or, you know, mid-major group of five type programs they're getting paid to leave that school where they've established themselves to go to another school just for a payday. That's not really the world that we want for college sports. Uh, You don't want that. I don't want that. And Greg Sankey, George Klyvkov, the other commissioners, they don't seem to want that. I'm sure a number of administrators, they're concerned about that. So I think where we're headed is whether the NCAA remains involved in terms of legislating or, you know, acting as the judicial arm in college sports, there's going to be some form of a judicial arm that says, you know, you can't just entice players to come to your school through payments. Now, how all of that gets enforced, how much it gets enforced, I think very much up for interpretation and very much in question moving forward. But certainly there's being some serious efforts being made to fight against what right now Let's just call it the Jordan Addison situation, right? Yeah, it's really the first test case in this situation where we know of a player who is being recruited by another school while he's still enrolled and on a roster for uh, a program. And it's interesting. You know, we've, we've heard measured statements from guys like Nick Saban, Brent Venables. I mean, Lincoln Riley in all the gall has even said there needs to be guardrails on like the transfer portal. Coaches – aren't necessarily loving this either, even if they're saying out in public that, hey, we're, we're living in a new world. We're learning to evolve in this new world there. I feel like they're being very you know, political in, their, in the way that they approach it because they don't want to turn kids off. 
if they're just coming out straight and saying, no, we're not going to be a part of NIL. We're not going to do that. I feel like Brent Venables is like, yeah, you know, it's going to be, we'll, we'll embrace it as we can. But he's also said, if a player is coming to the University of Oklahoma strictly looking for an NIL deal or that's a top priority for them, they're probably not the right player for us. So I feel like he, he's tried to do as much as he can as far as saying, like, that's not what our program is going to be about. At the same time, understanding it's a new world that we're living in. I got to imagine that behind closed doors, coaches are livid about what's happening right now in college football. I mean, Nick Saban coming out and saying what he feels and, and kind of railing against where we're at, that's probably as much as you're going to hear. But I'm sure Greg Sankey's gotten several phone calls, have had several Zoom meetings about this issue. And listen, if, if the coaches are upset, because they're a lot of times, they're the faces of college football. While the players are, the players come and go. I was having this conversation with my wife just a little bit ago as we're in, you know, enjoying a little Cinco de Mayo action. Um, you know, we're having this conversation about NIL. I don't know why it came up. It just did. But you know, she's, she's talking about it. Like the players, they come and go. It's the programs that last. It's the coaches that last. They're the faces. And if the coaches aren't happy, that is a huge detriment to your, your product because they're the ones that carry the product year to year. They, as they turn over rosters, as they continue to build these programs, it's the coaches that really have the biggest influence in the game of college football because say Nick Saban decides, you know what, I'm done with this. I'm going back to the NFL where all the things are lined out, all the rules are in place. Lincoln Riley, he's, flir- he's had flirtations with the NFL in years past. Brent Venables, maybe all these guys that are big names in college football decide, listen, we're done with the NCAA. And there's already talk about that. We talked about it on last night's show where – if the NCAA doesn't kind of get their stuff together, there could be a, a league that forms away from it because we know the NCAA really doesn't have the power in all this. It's the teams, the programs, and the conferences that really carry the weight. The NCAA is just kind of there to be that overarching body that governs it all. But if they're not going to govern it well, I mean, the Power Five is ready to say, all right, fine, we'll do it without you. We can figure this out on our own because we've got the money to do it. I think. And in Ross Dellinger's most recent report, he, they're, you know, the, the conferences are basically saying like, hey, get a handle on this. And how the NCAA is going to get a handle on this is just by enforcing what's already on the books. Boosters are an extension of the program. They cannot engage in recruiting for the program, whether it's NIL or not. And so it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out. But if the NCAA is really like going to carry a stick and, and use it, that that's going to be very interesting for the future because they've been hands-off on NIL to this point, but they're not going to be able to be hands-off anymore. No, not if probably they want to continue existing as we've known the NCAA to exist. I'm not sure that the NCAA is going to exist the way that we've known the NCAA in the past. I kind of think the NCAA has made clear statements over the last several years They didn't want, Mark Emmert didn't want to, and the NCAA, you know, collectively top to bottom, didn't really want to be a decision maker when it came to the COVID-19 pandemic, right? They tossed the buck back to the conferences and the university presidents and university, you know, athletic directors to let them kind of make the decision or the conference commissioners to make those calls and those decisions. I think that was the first signal of the NCAA saying, you know what, we're not really going to be very involved going forward. So, you know, I guess I could still see 
the NCAA, you know, we've we've heard that they're working toward a task force in regards to name, image, and likeness to try and combat the tampering, the clear tampering that we're seeing in college athletics, not just college football. It's obviously going on across the board in college athletics. Yeah, you know, there's a task force that I guess is being formed, but whether or not, you know, it's truly the NCAA that is going to be involved in doling out punishments like we've seen from the NCAA over years past. If it's not the NCAA, which I think there's a good chance it might not be the NCAA, then I think we've seen a clear indication here from Klivkov, from Sankey, from just the you know administrators trying to get the NCAA and urging the NCAA to, to get involved in this, that if they don't, then guess what? They're going to form some other uh, task force or some other group of individuals that kind of oversee this thing and make sure that, again, there's not tampering in the college sports uh, environment that we all love so much. And I want to continue to talk about this. And I got a, a question for you about how this might play out at the federal level. But first, I want to talk to you about Built Bar. It's the best tasting protein bar ever. And guess what? They've come out with Built Granola Bars. I've got a box of them. I actually got two boxes of them. Have dug in. I love them. They're great. I love granola. I love protein bars. And these are perfect. I had one for breakfast this morning. Gave me all the energy I needed to get me to lunchtime in a physically demanding job that I have. So make sure you go to built.com. Use promo code LOCKED15 where you can get a protein bar that's only got 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. And it's the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. You want to get a candy bar? Well, you're going to get 240 calories, 30 grams of sugar, and dozens of net carbs. So get yourself something healthy. You can have it for breakfast, meal replacement, a snack on the go. Built is the way to go at built.com where you can get 15% off your next order by using the promo code LOCKED15. That's L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5, LOCKED15 at built.com. And thanks for making Locked On Sooners your first listen every single day. You can find us on all podcast platforms and on YouTube. Subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts. It's free and available. So Josh, Sankey, Klyavkov, they're going to the federal level to try and get some assistance to get a handle on this. We've seen the states get involved in NIL. They're the first ones to have passed guidelines, passed regulation and laws, but it didn't really set the standard and set the boundaries or even the level playing field because every state might have some different rules and regulations. What's going to be the federal response to this? How involved are they going to be in helping to create guidelines for college football, college athletics, as far as NIL goes, we've seen them get involved in other, you know, in the professional sports world with major league baseball, with certain lockouts that have occurred, how involved can they get in NCAA and what, what's the response going to be? That's a great question. I mean, it's the million dollar question. How involved can or will the government now be now that you're taking this obviously to Congress. Will they pass some form of a bill, legislation on name, image, and likeness? Uh, you know, potential potential federal charges, right? For somebody that's involved in tampering? I don't know. I mean, maybe. That, that's a possibility at this point now that this is getting taken, taken to Congress. Obviously, there's not been a bill proposed at this point at the Congress level. So it's very much in the infancy stages from that standpoint. But I mean, that's on the table now uh, as a legitimate possibility. It's also, again, a possibility that Congress kind of turns and, you know, turns their nose up at it and says, you know what, this is not really a Congress type matter. This is 
a college sports matter and you as a group of commissioners or the NCAA or whoever, you've already got, you know, a leadership body that can make tough decisions like this. It would probably, I mean, it would obviously simplify things for a lot of people in college athletics if Congress did get involved in some way, shape or form, some capacity to take a little bit of the decision-making processes away from some of these power five. And I shouldn't just say power five, the conference commissioners at the college level, the university presidents, the, you know, athletic directors, the NCAA to take a little bit off of that, off of their plate. I think obviously it would be, it would be great to see. I think for all of us, I, I don't know. You ask me, is that going to happen? Honestly, I don't, I don't have a yes or no answer at this stage of the game. I think the thing that's interesting in this is that the, the guy that's probably the most powerful commissioner in the power five, Greg Sankey realizes that there's so much of an issue that they're going to have to enlist Congress where it's really difficult to get anything done on a, on a united front. And that's really what college football needs is the, the conferences need a united front to have an overarching set of guidelines to cover NIL and cover the way the NCAA responds to NIL, you know, um, allegation or um, tampering allegations and potential punishments. Because if it's left to the States, if it's left to the conferences, there's potentially too much bias that could be at play that might not investigate something as thoroughly as it should uh, enact punishment that might not be as severe as it should. And so there's got to be something, and we know how difficult it is for the 10 major conferences in FBS to come to a decision on something. The power five plus the, the mid, you know, the, the FBS represent or the group of five representatives couldn't come together on a college football playoff expansion model, something that was going to net them millions upon millions upon millions of dollars. So it's going to be really interesting to see, can they come to a consensus on the best way to move forward with NIL? I think that's probably why Klyavkov and Sankey realize, hey, we got to enlist some outside help, some some um, independent people and maybe some arbitrators to figure out what's the best way to go forward on this that is going to have us all on the same page because the, that's the only way that they can combat what's going on and they have to be united in it. You can't have one rogue conference or one rogue school out there saying, listen, we're going to operate outside of what the Power Five agrees to because then it's just going to help leads to everything kind of falling apart. You know, really to me, whether or not Congress does in fact get involved, I'm, I'm going to be surprised if there's some yeah. sort of federal legislation passed just where we stand right here today. I think to me, the obvious best path forward is these conferences and especially at the power five level where there's a lot of coin being tossed around okay if the ncaa is not going to be seriously involved in again matters that involve pay for play and that harms the integrity of the sports then you need to create i I don't know a, a new branch in college athletics right you're going to have to form form your own task force your own uh group of investigators and they'll have to be compensated like yeah. high-level investigators and like high-level rules enforcers. I mean, that to me is the clear best path forward is to just take this thing away from the NCAA where 
quite frankly, the NCAA, the enforcement that we've seen in years past, not, not just in recent memory, you know, locally for us, there was such an outcry about what happened with Oklahoma State and their postseason men's basketball tournament ban. While we looked around at other programs that maybe hadn't been punished in the same way that were involved, you know, without knowing all the facts, seemingly at the same level as Oklahoma State or perhaps much, much worse than Oklahoma State didn't necessarily have uh, the same punishment or any punishments whatsoever. So when you're living in that world with the NCAA, it's time to just get a different system in place that kind of goes about investigating quote unquote crimes in the world of college athletics. And really you might have to just pay out of pocket as the ACC commissioner, as the big 10 commissioner, just conference wide, you're going to have to pay for the type of product that you get in terms of these rules enforcements. It's going to be fascinating to see what happens. I want to hit you with a couple quotes from this Ross Dellinger article. Uh, first from Colorado athletic director, Rick George he says, this is the time we have to put our stake in the ground enough. There's an exclamation point. So I'm expecting, I'm, I'm just imagining him yelling enough. This is not acceptable. What we're doing is not good for intercollegiate athletics and it has to stop. Uh, he also goes on to say that um, just because we have NIL, it doesn't eliminate the rules. Everybody is like, it's NIL. I'm totally in favor of NIL done right. It's really good. Athletes should be able to monetize their NIL. But a lot of what is going on out there is not NIL. And that's what I, that's kind of where I fall on this is I agree. Like what we're seeing is not NIL. Like NIL is kind of the, the idea that a player at an institution gets an opportunity to get involved in an endorsement, get involved in autograph signings, you know, creating merchandise that, that allows them to earn income, whether it's the Jocelyn Allo merchandise at Oklahoma, the Spencer Rattler store that he set up on his own. That's kind of what NIL seems to is, or even the Bajan Robinson deal that he's got with Lamborghini that got released today. Um, that's kind of what I envision NIL to be is players that are already at an institution. They're committed. They're there not a recruiting tool, not a recruiting inducement, not something that's like, Hey, if you're going to come here, we'll pay you. We'll, we'll figure it out an NIL deal for you. Like we're seeing at Texas A&M, we're seeing at Texas, we're seeing at Miami with Nigel Pack, we're seeing at USC. I mean, who knows if beats by Dre and Caleb Williams had that deal locked up in order to get him to come to USC. Maybe that was a, part of the Wisconsin noise we were hearing, part of the LSU noise we were hearing is to help help him negotiate NIL deals with Beats. Who knows? I don't know. But the way that some of this is going down isn't what it was intended to be. And can they put it back? Can they go back on this, Josh? Are they going to be able to? I think to some degree, yes. I mean, the type of situation to where you've got Jordan Addison, if you can go back and you can – I mean, there's ways to find text messages. There's ways to find what the communication was and when that timeline of communication happened. I'm. This is just one instance talking about the Jordan Addison case because I think it's the most, it's the best example of what we want removed really from the sport. We don't right. want tampering. We don't right. want a player that's already on a campus getting getting sold the idea that you're going to get paid a dollar amount to leave this school and go to another school. That's what we want gone in the recruiting process. Same thing. I think that you can look into that. You can investigate 
you can investigate what communication was made and you can dole out punishments based on whatever criteria you set up as the punishment. Again, I go back to what we talked about in the last show. Tampering right now is a level two NCAA violation. Okay, let's say the NCAA is not involved now, then whatever organization is overseeing these types of punishments, it's no longer a level two violation. This is the top of the top. This is one of the worst crimes you can commit right now in college athletics, and that's how it needs to be treated by whoever the punishment arm is. And really, that's that's what we are trying to get to. The name, image, and likeness in general, John, I mean, we're at the point to where if you go to certain schools, you're probably going to get paid more in terms of endorsement deals just because that's the situation at that school. I don't know that there's any way to stop that. For example, USC with the Beats by Dre thing, that's a good example. And I agree with what you said about some of the athletes that you've mentioned, you know, Spencer Rattler, my Dylan Gabriel towel that's behind me here. Hey, if I want to buy the Dylan Gabriel towel or you want to buy that or you want to buy a product that these athletes are selling, then by all means, do that. If Beats by Dre, because you play at the University of Southern California, wants to pay you a, a dollar amount to be, you know, to endorse their product or put some Twitter messages out. I don't think there's any stopping that, but the tampering, yes, we can stop that. Yeah. And they have to, they've got to get a hold on that and get a handle on that because that's going to be the part that just throws a wrench in this whole, whole thing. And, and you know, the, the people that are college football purists like my wife, my lovely wife, Oklahoma alum, you know, she's very anti NIL and there's a lot of people out there that are like her. And I totally understand where they're coming from because it's changed the game. It's not what it was meant, you know, like it's not amateur athletics anymore. And I can see a lot of the frustration of a lot of people who are seeing what's going on and wondering, well, what makes kind of what makes them special? Like, Hey, as a college student, I had to go to go to work and I had to pay for my classes and take out loans. And here they are getting, you know, scholarships. And then that's not even enough still. And, and I, I see where they're coming from on that. And so it's, it's going to be interesting to see like how the universities, how the NCAA evolve through this to make it something that's more palatable for everybody and something that doesn't make the game look so sketchy and kind of murky. You know what I mean? Like we don't want this cloud hanging over something that we love so much and we, we pour energy and time and effort into and money. You know, a lot of people that give money to the university, they want something pure about this game. And right now NIL doesn't look like it's providing that purity that we, we want it to be. And has it all, you know, have there been issues in the past? Yeah, absolutely. There's been recruiting issues there. I mean, whether it's the stuff from the eighties that went down, whether it's at Oklahoma or Miami or, name a big school that wasn't involved in some NCAA infractions in the eighties and nineties. It's hard to find one. There's always been issues, but now it just seems like because it can be out in the open, it's becoming even a bigger issue. We want to protect the integrity of college athletics while at the same time speaking for, I think yourself and myself, we want athletes to have the opportunity to profit we just want them to have the opportunity to profit through the proper lens that, again, protects the integrity of the sport. Yeah. There's a right way for NIL to exist in the current state of college football. Some of the things we're seeing are, are not it. And that's what the NCAA has got to get a handle on. 
Softball, big Oklahoma win in the first night of Bedlam action. We'll talk about that after I talk to you about Bet Online, which is your number one source for all your betting stats and sports info. Find all the latest developments, league reviews, and news, including this year's basketball playoffs, Major League Baseball, and this weekend's run to the Roses as the Kentucky Derby is back. So Bet Online is your continued source for all your sports wagering information from live betting to playoffs, esports, and more. Head to the website today to use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. Bet Online is where the game starts. The Oklahoma Sooners softball team got a big win in the first matchup of the Bedlam series. Uh, on Thursday night, they won 7-1. to one. Jordy Ball goes seven innings, gives up one earned run, has six strikeouts. Uh, just a, another command performance for her. Didn't give up her first run until the fifth inning. Uh, just a great performance from the true freshman. Great to see, too. You know, I'll give a little bit of assist to my big brother, Joey Helmer, who hopped on the Plank Show this morning and said, this is a big series for Jordy Ball in the sense that, okay, this is, you know, late in the season, Big 12 championship on the line in Bedlam. I think you, I, you know, your family, your family's family, everybody feels like Jordy Ball's a superstar. But with that being said, you're still in this type of moment with all of that that's on the line, everything that's at stake, you want to see this type of performance. Seven innings strong, six strikeouts, just the one earned run versus a really, really good, highly ranked Oklahoma State team with, again, all of that on the line. So that's a positive sign for Oklahoma, not just in terms of now they're one win away from capturing another Big 12 championship, but obviously as they project forward with what is their most important mission, and that's defending and capturing another national championship. And, you know, they were able to get on the board early, which I think in this series in particular, that that's huge for this team. You know, to score first against Oklahoma State, who is a really well-rounded team. I mean, I, I don't feel like they're great in any one particular area if you just look at them statistically, but they're just a really good, well-rounded team. And for Oklahoma, getting on the board first was really huge. Uh, got a big game from Tiara Jennings, who went one for four, but made that one count one home run three rbis and kind of helped set the tone for the oklahoma sooners uh nobody really kind of stood out in this one you nobody had more than one hit for the oklahoma sooners but they made their hits count um back to jordy ball for a second she only threw 87 pitches in this game and allowed just four hits and no walks i think that's the thing that that stands out the most is the no walks because in a big time matchup, your energy's high, emotions are high, it's a rivalry game. To be able to keep things tight, keep pitches in the zone, not get away from the, 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 uh, the ball strike count, keep it in your favor, and then attack hitters, that's what Jordy Ball does. And I think that's, when it, that's what's going to continue to serve her well, using that aggressiveness to get in front of hitters and then just pitching her game. And it's, it's as you mentioned, like seeing her rise to the occasion in her first Bedlam matchup, that's what superstars do. When you have an opportunity to get out front and now set up a, a clinching opportunity for the Big 12 regular season title on Friday night, that's what you want your ace, your, your true freshman superstar to do, and she did exactly that. The lineup was good. It was solid. You know, Jocelyn Allo provided the first uh, run of the game on an RBI single, and – that's what Oklahoma's softball lineup is going to do. They're going to be one through nine. They're going to be solid up and down the order. Even if they're not having great games at the plate, they're so dangerous because they're so deep one through nine. Yeah. And you know, the, 
first two hitters in the order, Jada Coleman and Jocelyn Allo, both uh, a couple of free passes. Um, and, you know, you mentioned, obviously, T.R.A. Jennings had the the one big bop. You know, if uh, you only have one base knock, but it just so happens to be a three-run blast, that's probably the type of uh, type of base knock that you're looking for. That's the, that's the thing about Oklahoma's lineup. I mean, you mentioned it. Nobody had more than just the one hit, but just the accumulation up and down the batting lineup. And then again, the free passes that this lineup's able to work. They just put so much stress on you, man. Top to bottom through the order. And obviously, you know, if it's not multiple players in the batting order, then it just takes that one three-run swing, which obviously in game one of Bedlam, it was T.R.A. Jennings who has been accustomed to those types of swings delivering another one. Yep. Every single Sooner got on base, except for Riley Boone, the number nine hitter in the order. And that's that's the kind of pressure that they put on opponents is whether it's a, a hit or a walk, they're going to put pressure on you. They're going to get on base and make you earn every single out. And that's why they're the best team in the nation and the favorite to win the national championship yet again. But that's going to do it for today's episode of Locked On Sooners. Thank you so much for tuning in. Remember, we are free and available on all podcast platforms. You can find us on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Google, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts, we're there. Make sure you subscribe to the show wherever you do that because we're going to have daily shows for you, even through May, as you know, football is kind of winding down, basketball is kind of winding down, and we're kind of getting into the, the softball time of the year. We're going to continue to have football stuff for you throughout May as we head into the full-on offseason of the summer, but make sure to stick with us here. We'll be here with you every single day. For Josh Helmer, I'm John Williams. We'll catch you next time. Boomer Sooner.